All right, well, welcome everybody to the Blow Off Health Podcast. We're your hosts, Alex and Tucker. We're back in the three-season porch. There's a gentle rain falling outside. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're, yeah, drought heavy here, so we'll take we'll it. take it. Uh, so if you I hear, actually looked that up today, we're oh, yeah, we're the in worst a severe drought place in the United States in drought. Yes, wow, that's saying something. That's how bad it is. <laughs> so anyway. no, it's been. I mean, it's been a pretty apocalyptic summer. Uh, honestly in terms of <laughs> yeah in terms of uh rain and and the weather so um but we've got some catching up to do so uh we wanted to talk about a few things first and foremost we actually had an incredibly enjoyable formula one race I yeah that was a good this race. past weekend so yeah. so we we're in singapore which i actually i love i love street courses anyways and singapore is probably the first street course besides monaco that i really sure was like oh yeah, this is so resonates cool with you yeah yeah and um you know red bull there was kind of talk that they were not going to be they, they weren't I, I fancying their chances you, like yeah. what what the hell happened there yeah so I, I haven't looked into it at all so you know their car is really optimized for um traditional racetracks you know the Silverstones, yeah. the Imolas, etc. Wide, high speed. Tracks, yeah, exactly. You know, and so they not at sea level, right? And so they're not they're not going to drive away from people on road courses like yeah. they do at a you know at a at yeah. a, a place like you know like I said like Silverstone, the the Hungar Ring, yeah. whatever. I don't know. It seemed like more than that because they were kind of like so off. That's what I was thinking. I I feel bad in really like I had intended to read some articles and just kind of see what the lay of the land was. But I thought to myself, could this have been a bad arrow package that they, you know, updated to? They were, I I think it, I think arrow was definitely an issue because one of the complaints throughout free practice, qualifying, and even in the race, you saw their back end. Yeah. was getting loose yeah, yeah. i mean they, they just didn't seem to have the grip and so um both sergio and max were having the same issues um and so this max actually didn't make it yeah. out of um out of was it q1 or yeah, q2 it sh- q2 q2 yeah shocking yeah. uh liam lawson actually is the one who <laughs> outdid him like so i mean liam you know he, that's the whole he got his record pumped in yeah week, yeah that's that's a that's a whole other discussion liam lawson's been driving well for Alvatari, yeah. but um so we kind of knew after qualifying and and it wasn't like they were sandbagging we had seen in free practice they weren't fast yeah. and qualifying they're not fast so you knew sunday could be a really good competitive race and yeah. and the ferraris were looking fast yeah, yeah. the mercs were looking pretty fast yeah the mclarens, McLarens were, were again looking good and and that's actually what we ended up getting. We we had um, a couple of safety car incidents that that kind of made the the irony to me. So Ferrari ended up winning. Carlos Sainz won. <laughs> yeah, which <laughs> I but, loved. But my the favorite. irony of his winning yeah. was that probably the worst team when it comes to strategy won a race almost purely off of strategy. Well, that's what I was going to say. My favorite part of that whole race. Was that radio call to him that was basically like, you know, the orange papayas within one second of you? Right. He was like, it's on. It's purpose. on purpose. Yeah. No, <laughs> exa- like, well, is, is that lost on you guys? I know. I know. I know. It. 
They're so bad. I know. It was so Carlos, <laughs> Carlos, I think, drove one of the most brilliant strategic races I've oh, ever seen. He so, was so to, to kind of set it up in the last 15 or 16 laps of the race, the Mercedes were on new medium compound they tires. They came in, they they, they pitted, pitted during one of those uh, kind safety of cars. expected safety cars. Yeah. Which was a gamble. Which was Ocon's safety car, right. I think, right? Yeah, um, so they they gambled that the time they were losing in the pits, they could more than make up for by having fresh yeah. medium tires. Um, whereas the Ferrari and McLaren of Lando Norris um, were on um, used, pretty heavily used hard yeah. compound tires. And they were trying to go to the end of the race. So it set up this really brilliant kind of cat and mouse finish where George and Lewis are taken one and a half seconds, two seconds yeah, per lap out of out. the lead. Like you knew you they knew were, they were catching up. <laughs> and what was brilliant was Carlos basically drove just fast enough to stay ahead, but Land. just slow enough to allow Lando to keep getting DRS <laughs> so that the Mercs had a tough time catching Lando. And, I mean, and that's the thing. The truth is, there's really only a couple places on that track where you got a passing opportunity. Right. That's that's one of the challenges of a street circuit. Street. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He, he knew. <laughs> he knew, and and that's what I agreed that that radio call to me was like <laughs> instantly iconic, laughing. because it's like it's just so well, far out of you. Well, coming. he he had told his race engineer to tell him the the gap to Lando, so when he came over the radio. And was like, you know, gap to Norris is whatever, 0.8 seconds. Uh, and uh, and and <laughs> kind of see the guy, his race engineer was kind of like mystified as to what he was doing. Carlos is like, that's bad. Yeah. You know, it needs to be Right, bigger. you need to get no, over no, a no, second. No, no, He's like, no, no, no. that's intentional. <laughs> um, so no, Car no. Carlos and, and obviously Carlos and Lando have a bromance from their days. Yeah. Uh, when they were teammates, and so <laughs> seeing them kind of basically working together to outwit the yeah, Mercedes, yeah, I love that. Um, and then oh, poor, poor George, George Russell, getting, you know, yeah, uh, he's got Hamilton behind him, catching all up. this pressure on him. You know, he's he's pushing he as possible. Like, okay, I've got one lap left. Yeah, two laps left to yeah. make the move. Like that is it. Yeah, and so he's getting, you know, he's pushing the envelope more than he's comfortable with. Right, and he he ends up on the is was it the last lap or second to last lap? He he ends up. Um, I I don't even. I'm not even quite sure what happened. If he just missed his braking zone or no, if he touched the wall. He did. He touched the wall. That's what it was. Because yeah, Lando was touched the wall bit, too, but he yeah, didn't lose it. Was it. A little bit more than Lando got. So George touches the wall. He it, it basically caused him to go off the track straight into the yeah, into the this, barricades. Yeah, yeah. Uh luckily he was unhurt. But, yeah, yeah, it was um, a soft barricade. Uh but then so Lewis ends up getting third. Um you know, but so. that's really I was thinking from a constructor standpoint, that's actually devastating because they had third and fourth locked up on a race where Red Bull were nowhere, you know, yeah. Max, Max ended up fighting his way back up to fifth or sixth, something like that, which was impressive given how bad that car yeah. was on that track. But, you know, that was, that was some time to make up some points on Aston Martin, McLaren, yeah. and Ferrari. And instead of having two cars finishing high up in the points, they had one car and the other car got zero points. 
Um, so yeah. really tough for George. I'm sure incredibly disappointing. Yeah, I definitely felt bad for him. I mean, I was. I think he had the amount of the amount of pressure he had, though. Yeah, he had to take some risks mm-hmm. to try to make that pass. And, and the reality is, like they they calculate, you know, like oh, with with his times he's putting in, it's he'll catch him in you know yeah. x laps. It's like, well, the reality is. Once they get close enough it, to get into dirty make, air yeah, of the it, car in front, yeah. all, 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 all the calculations are out the window. Now it's yeah. just re- driving. Yeah. You know, now you're now trying to put enough race. pressure to get the guy in front of you to make a mistake. Um, but <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. To it was watch. such a fun race. It was fun seeing Carlos up on the podium. He was, yeah, he was exactly. so excited. Yeah. Lando was having a good time up there with yeah, him. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was nice to just not see Red Bull. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, Next this weekend we're at Suzuka where I'm sure it's going to be normal service. Uh, I think Max <laughs> Max is fast some free practice yeah. Uh, again. Yeah. Um. So that was good. That was good. You know, we need we need more lace. We need more races at sea level with high humidity and unbearable temperatures. <laughs> yeah, on street on street courses. <laughs> Just screw yeah. the Red Bulls over. Yeah. Um. No, I I it was. It was fun, you know. Oh, I saw the other. I don't know why this reminded me of yeah. this, but I just was chuckling because I saw this uh, Instagram post. It must have been when Checo was a lot younger. Uh-huh. I don't remember what circuit he was on, but he, he was on the last lap and he just starts going. He just starts shouting, power, power, power. <laughs> and I'm watching the monitor and it's like, he's fine. Like, what is going on? He's. Yeah, just like keep going to the line, keep racing, keep going. (laughs) So so his pit crew's freaking out, and like everyone's losing their mind. And then across the line, he's like, "I was just messing with you guys." (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. You know, I don't know who he was racing for back then, but it's like obviously that's the kind of crew he could have some fun. He could have fun, and yeah, the the Red Bull crew. (laughs) They would not. They would not like that. When, whenever, whenever, like (laughs) you know, the past nine races or whatever that Max won. Yeah. Even when Czech was getting second, you know, you'd listen to the radio messages after the race, and you know, good job P two, and you know, and his response, he just sounds like he's going to a funeral. He's like. Yeah, good job to the team. You know, it's just like, oh my god, this poor like this poor guy is making millions of dollars, but like he it's as a racing a, driver, it's, it's not a great situation. Either. Yeah, exactly. With with Christian Horner, Marco, Marco being a racist <laughs> douchebag, <laughs> like, oh, like it's just yeah, it's just kind of a bad combination. Yeah, I feel bad for the guy. Yeah, so it was it was fun after everything that. You know, Carlos and Charles, it's become a meme at this point. Like, just Ferrari always finds a way to screw it up. <laughs> and, like, finally getting the win when they had the it's opportunity. It's all done by their drivers. Yeah. It no, it, yeah, exactly. What um, are you doing out there? It's on purpose. It's on purpose. Yeah. It's, I meant to. Um, so, Suzuka this weekend, we'll see. But, you know, looking like Red Bull will be kind of right back in back the saddle. Rare form. Um, but you know we'll have to fight for third. I mean, that was the fun part. Is like you know normally you're you are watching the mid pack, yeah, and that's where your entertainment's coming from, yeah. Because it's in the current stage, yeah. But so it was fun to actually see, like, no, no, these guys are actually fighting for first, second, and third. Yeah, this is exciting. <laughs> so you and I, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it last weekend or two weekends ago? 
no, two weekends ago. Two weekends ago. Yeah. Um, so there's a, a shop up in the Twin Cities um, called Imola Motorsports. They basically deal with a lot of high-end um, exotic stuff that's yeah. up there. Um, and they have some clientele that are, you know, the heaviest of heavy hitters. Oh, they got some crazy stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, so, kidding around when you say that. Yeah. So every, <laughs> so every year they do an open house that kind of to celebrate the anniversary of their shop opening. Um, and I've been the last, last three years, I think, um, basically since I got the nine eleven. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so you were finally able to make it up there yeah. with me. So I was curious what your what your take on because I knew I was what I was getting into. You, you know what you're getting into. I knew what I was getting into. I wasn't quite sure what I was getting into. Yeah. But as we were on um I think that was 494. Yeah. Approaching the shop. Yeah. And like a bunch of ass hats <laughs> and Ferraris McLaren and yeah. McLaren's. I was like, okay, this is what I Yeah, we're getting parts. Yeah. It was we, just like we, we, we basically were kind of like we were in the middle lane. We were in the middle lane doing the speed limit and basically a convoy of what looked to be high school students That's what I, in supercars. I was just like, what when is flying that? when flying past uh <laughs> Let's see. There was uh, a 720s. There was yeah. a uh, what else? I'm trying to. I just remember that tennis ball green 720s. <laughs> oh, there's a Huracan. There was a Huracan. There was a guy who was driving like a. I would assume it was a GT4, maybe. Oh Black. yeah, 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 yeah. The GT4. Yep, you're right. You're right. So, the GT4. But yeah. I mean, all in all, there were probably like ten cars, and they they yeah. did, they were kind of like the cars for the. Yeah. Show, you know what i mean yeah you know, we all kind of pulled into the back after we yeah followed them in but i think that's kind of when i realized like oh god this is gonna be a circuit yeah and yeah. and you know just as like we I, I i was pretty cool though when we pulled in because it was just like the amount of enthusiasts that were there and oh, the yeah. cameras and stuff and just mm -hmm. pumped to see all these wild cars coming up yeah. in the woodwork like that was actually really fun and it was just cool like i remember you know, just like I would assume that kid was probably a kid in high school or something mm -hmm. that you were talking to, but it yeah. was just just his level of enthusiasm. Yeah. Getting out, taking snapping photos and could tell you all about any car that was oh, up yeah. there. It, it is it is <laughs> it is really cool. Fun in that respect. So like coming up to Imola, the the route you take there, um, there's a right hand turn you have to make and then a left hand turn to get into the facility. And basically, at both those turns, there's they, tons of people lined up with their phones out, taking yeah, video, taking like pictures. Like heavy duty cameras. Some, and stuff, yeah, like, like legit cameras, like Car Spotter kids that are, yeah. you know, run Instagram pages and stuff yeah, for yeah, this. Yes. Um, and uh, <laughs> and your car got a lot of attention. It, it, yeah, <laughs> it was cool. It was it, a lot it, of cool. It always, it always, you know, it's cool, it's always, right? it's been interesting to me when I've taken it up there. You know, out of the three years I've been, there's only been one year that there was even one other GT3 RS. Yeah, I would yeah. think, and I, I know, I would have know thought there, there would are have been some like 992 yeah. GT3s. Yeah, they're yeah. up there, right? I mean, yeah. we know they're we up know there. We know they exist. I, I, and I was just at yeah. the dealership this past week, and there was this gorgeous, I honestly thought it might have been the, was it? A, was that a GT3 that was there, or was it a Touring? It was a GT3 Touring. Are you talking about that green one? The yeah. NATO 
olive kind of color yeah yeah because this was like a, a version of that but it was obviously a paint to sample but it had the same kind of carbon fiber buckets mm-hmm. leather interior oh, like cool. a tan interior and i was yeah. like why am i looking at the same car yeah. but it had a wing oh so yeah it, it has to be a different okay one, so it yeah. must have been a different one so like just like we're yeah. alluding to they're up there they just don't go to these yeah things. it's re- it was really strange that you know i find it really strange that you don't i haven't seen more but anyway yeah. so it te- it does get a lot of attention because it's a relatively unique car, even at a show like that. Um, there were more McLaren 720s's there than yeah. there were GT3 RS's. Yeah, right. This is um, interesting. Which is which is kind of wild, but yeah. So, um, you know, it was again heavily attended. They have in in their like shop area. They basically yeah. set it up so that <laughs> the really crazy high end stuff was in there. So, kind of the stars of the show. There was a uh, Chiron Cinto uh, Diece, which is like one of ten or something in yeah. the world, and and of those ten, that was like the only the only one with that livery EB one ten yeah. race livery. Um, <laughs> this the guy that owns it also owns uh, a Chiron um, Super Sports three hundred and fifty plus or three hundred twenty plus, basically the Chiron World Speed Record car, um, and he's got another Chiron uh, Pure Sport that was at the show last year that was basically finished in like a red carbon fiber. Um, he also owned, there was a singer DLS that was finished in bare carbon, yeah, uh, with gold accents. And he owns that car as well. What a (laughs) nutter. There was a car that was released. It was not at the show, but, um, during Pebble beach concourse, there was a special edition Chiron one-off that was released that was basically a black and gold car that had um uh hand, i think it's hand painted um basically bugatti automobiles over the years dating back to like the early like type 35 and this car um i found out this guy also commissioned it's his car uh and this this was making like world headlines when this released um and so i mean we're talking this guy is probably one of the best bugatti customers in the world and he just happens to be up in the twin cities it's Um, so weird to me i was chuckling about that on the way back you know like the guys building these are like where the hell is this going yeah i know (laughs) where (laughs) and where in minnesota yeah so so this this is the the golden era wow so if if you can if you can check it out it's it's a pretty incredible um special edition car that shows kind of the history of bugatti it's one of the last chirones that's built off of um their uh their kind of world record speed car um very so you know this guy's doing with his money what i would do with mine if i had that kind of money i guess I don't know that I do with Bugattis, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but certainly with his his singers, he's got two singer DLSs and a regular regular singer as well. Um, so he's doing it right. Uh, <laughs> um, so you walk through that. That was kind of like the VIP area. There was uh, the um, modern interpretation of Lamborghini Countach uh, up there oh, yeah, as well. Right. Um, and then one of the things, actually, the car that 
I was most excited to see, oddly enough, not being an EV guy, yeah. was the Pininfarina Batista. Yeah. Mainly because I didn't know it was... I'd, I knew all those other cars were up in the Twin Cities. Yeah. I had no idea there was a Pininfarina Batista <laughs> uh, up in the Twin Cities. So I was like, oh my God, you know. For, for those yeah. of you that don't know what it is, basically, uh, it is a, um, a Rimac Nevera that Pininfarina kind of puts their own body on although i think it looks very similar to the the nevera body um and then they do you know their own tuning and mm-hmm. and whatnot but it's essentially you know overpowered just, you it's know, a 2000 monster. horsepower ev <clears throat> i i think you can call it a hypercar because it basically broke every production car record the the nevera did um and so and, and it's whatever two three million dollars you know i mean it's funny money yeah. um but so seeing that there, I was like, holy crap, that's pretty sweet. And it was gold and black. So yeah. th- if that guy's got the Bugatti coming, that's going to look pretty cool next to it. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think you would go again or was it just like, oh, this kind of circus? I don't know, man. I thought about that. Um, I thought about that. I, I When we went in the back, it kind of made me realize, like, I think the T would have had a good time there. there were two original teams yeah there were two original teams from the 70s yeah i think it helps that i've got mine in a fun color yeah you know, i didn't see anything else in shark blue no there. so i think it would have been fun um but honestly i think most of the enjoyment just comes from driving up there and hanging out and shit. yeah 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 so like i i will go again if you're up for it yeah i thought about like maybe i'd drive mine but mm-hmm. i don't know it's kind of more fun to just hang out and plus maybe we'll have some other yeah because i mean hell you could have probably even maybe brought the tycon up there and it, it's just such a this unusual this, looking this is the third thing. year i've been <clears throat> yeah. and i've not seen a tycon at any and other. i feel like that especially in wagon form would probably be like super cool i mean yeah. it's a super cool looking yeah. car like people yeah so i I, yeah i don't know it is weird so like they have like a they have like a show lot where the the employees basically when you turn in they'll either direct you up to the show lot if they think your car like is appropriate for that or they'll direct you to these kind of uh accessory like yeah lots where like people that show up in a you know whatever a modified dodge hellcat you know they kind of go to the and and they're and they're 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 by kind of area. So like there's an American one. Yeah. A, there's some kind of a Japanese uh, Euro, Euro, like VW, BMW, Mercedes. Um, but it's interesting what gets put where. So like there were, there was both a, like an 04 era and a, and like a 2018 Ford GT that weren't up in like the main mm-hmm. show lot. They were down in like the American yeah. muscle lot. And so it's hard to, yeah, it's hard to know where they're going to put you. Where they're going to drop. Um, so we we ended up in kind of the show lot area um with some other Porsches. Yeah. Um but yeah, I agree. I, I, you know, it was fun to see yeah. all the cars. It was fun to see a wide variety of cars. There was a lot of enthusiasm up there. Yeah. Um, I think it's really heartening to see how many young people go there. So. You know, cuz you see like reports on the news all the time about like you know, uh young people aren't getting the driver's license, they're not interested, you know, they're not as interested in cars, etc more interested in you know a tesla than they are a ferrari and then you go there and you see a bunch of 16 17 year old kids that are just like drooling over everything coming in and you're like 
you see yeah, like, oh yeah. these were these this, that was me yeah yeah you know 20 that, years ago. i think that's what's fun to see is it just kind of is a little bit of a time capsule yeah know? you're like that <laughs> that would have been me 20 years ago for sure <laughs> kind of fun when the kid asks so what did you guys drive up? oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you tell them like, they're like what <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 sweet what else do you have yeah <laughs> you know yeah then that's kind of fun. You started telling them what you had in there. Oh. <laughs> we thought we had a cool garage. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was, but it was, it was, it was definitely a fun day out and beautiful weather for it and everything. Yeah. So, um, you know, Emma puts on a, a, a good show. And, uh, my only complaint was that the, the hero food truck that I was looking forward to never showed up. And so I couldn't get hero <laughs> for lunch. Um, so, uh there's a, a big story going on right now that we we also wanted to make sure we touched on um and it's not you know as automotive enthusiasts it's maybe not like the sexiest topic but i think it's a really interesting topic for especially for our time it really sucks, yeah. um so and it will have hard, huge yeah. ramifications yeah. in the audio industry and that's the uaw strike that's going on right now um and I, I just I kind of put some notes together based on some stuff I'd read, stuff I had heard. Um, uh, but I think it's I haven't shown these to you, so it'll okay. probably you'll probably be you know probably be interesting to it's hear a, your yeah, reaction yeah. to it. But so the strike right now is currently comprises thirteen thousand workers. But uh, I heard just today that I read that too. Yeah. yeah. So for GM uh, and Chrysler, they're going to be expanding to some of their other sites so the, the strikes can get bigger i guess things are negotiations are moving along with ford in the right direction yeah, but they're yeah. still striking there um this is the first time ever that the uaw has drawn on strike at all of the big three american auto manufacturers so ford gm and chrysler the history there's some history with this so uaw up until 08 had a really really good contract um, a lot of benefits, good pay, and then the financial crisis happens. And yep. basically, the UAW agreed to cut a lot of their benefits and cut their pay, basically so that the companies didn't... I mean, they obviously had to be bailed yeah. out by the government, but yeah. they didn't... So the companies didn't completely go under. Yeah. And and you lose tens of thousands of jobs. Um, and since that time, they've really not gotten back those benefits mm. in full or gotten back up to the pay they were getting. Um, and, um, since 2019, when the last UAW contract started, Ford's profit has gone up 34%. GM's has gone up 50%, but the average wages at those companies have gone up only 14.8%, while cost of living has gone up 17.7%. Yeah. So their wages are not keeping up with cost of living. Yeah. They're essentially getting pay cuts. Um, Meanwhile, CEO pay yeah. across those companies is up 30 to 40%. The average ratio of CEO pay to average worker pay in the auto industry in general is 272 to 1. Um, however, at Ford, it's 281 to 1. And at GM, it's 362 to 1. Um, corporate stock buybacks, which mm -hmm. are a way to kind of boost some of the stock price, are up 1,500%. Um, and really what that means is that since a lot of CEOs and other C-suite executives uh, have bonuses tied to stock performance and stock price, um, when they do those, when they approve those stock buybacks, it basically boosts their own salaries and they also get compensation in the form of stock options, 
So they basically can choose to give themselves more money. And they're doing that in lieu of using that those profits yeah. to reinvest in the company, yeah. to pay the workers more. Yeah. Um, and I thought this was one other stat I thought was pretty interesting. The CEO compensation relative to revenue of those companies. So at VW, yearly revenue is $295 billion, while the CEO made $9.1 million. At Toyota, revenue was $256 billion, while the CEO made $5 million. At Ford, the revenue was $136 billion, so much less than VW and Toyota, but the CEO made $23 million. At GM, revenue was $127 million, so even less than Ford, but the CEO made $29.1 million. So it's pretty obvious the American auto industry is very top-heavy in terms of who's getting the money, um, especially relative to revenue. And basically, the UAW workers, their initial yeah. kind of negotiation tact, you know, they basically said, we want the same amount of revenue increase or salary yeah. increase as the CEO got. That's yeah. all we want. And so, you know, I'm curious to see, you know, I've kind of been thinking about these numbers and, and kind of my thoughts. What What's your kind of initial well, it's take kind, on? It's just a lot. It kind of fits with the, the general theme in America of the rich getting richer at the expense of all the poor zaps yeah. actually have to build the things that make them richer right and yeah. um it's kind of you know i've heard these comments about like well you know if god forbid you know we were to pay you this amount of money like you know i am paid as a ceo we could not invest in the future. Right. Well, it's like, well, you could not do your stock buybacks, assholes. Right. Or you could say, you know what? We're going to give you this as a raise. And because of that, I want it to match mine and whatever. I'll take a pay cut. Right. By 10 million. You won't even notice it. Right. You got enough money coming. Yeah. So I don't really buy that. Now, that being said, I can be honest with you here. I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I bought the Ford truck, but I don't really intentionally buy American vehicles. Yeah. I, I think growing up as a kid, my experience with them were r relative to, I think at the time was probably like maybe the prime for, you know, European, German. We were coming up kind of in the Malays area, really in the U.S. Where that's what I was saying, in the eighties you know, in the U.S. That's what I was, was saying like, is it's it's basically like I would get in a, the Cadillac that my dad had before he got the X five, and, and and when we got the X five, shocking difference. How much better it was, and I yeah. just thought, well, you know, I'd been told at the time, well, you know, it costs a hell of a lot more money to build these cars in these countries. Yeah. Um. But, you know, kind of scratch your head and say, well, it's more expensive to build them, but we have people making living wages. Right. The interior of the car isn't as luxurious. Yeah. Does that really matter when it's, you know, getting me to and from, from point A to yeah. B? And I think for a lot of people, it probably doesn't really matter. I mean, um, you know, the the Ranger, I would say, wasn't particularly nice interior but i didn't also opt that to be a lariat and be like a high end place right. and stuff but so i i recognize that because i do remember in the financial crisis reading some of the economist articles and kind of hinting at the fact that the pay for workers had you know chewed up enough of 
profits and expensing that they could not compete as well internationally. Yeah. And it's like, well, basically what seems to have transpired is we found a way to compete and it was at the expense of the workers. And also we found enough of a way to compete that we can reward ourselves without outrageous pay packages and stock mm-hmm. buybacks and all the kind of typical bullshit they do. So yeah. they could have not done that and paid their workers better and still probably competed. Yeah. Um, what, what I don't know out of what I've read so far is, is what is driving the increased profits? You know, like say the profit margin per vehicle is 4%. Is it now 5%? You know, like I don't, true. I don't know how they've gotten um, those profits. And the, and the other thing that the, I think the challenge is going to be, and and they alluded to this, was with the electric vehicles. If they're less, they're less complicated to build, so they don't need as many workers to do it. Right. Potentially, they could last longer. There was a study that it's early days still, so it's like hard to quite extrapolate. But I've seen this pop up on a couple of EB websites that I follow, where people were doing studies of battery packs and suggesting that kind of after you've lost that first 10%, it kind of hits a nice plateau and that they may actually end up lasting a lot longer Mm. if there's not some kind of catastrophic issue in the first few years, Mm -hmm. like longer than people expected. And so you may not have people replacing their cars as frequently. And frankly, who the hell wants to replace their car because they're ungodly expensive yeah and no one can pay cash for these not normal people no they're financing these yeah and and rates are through the roof right now so Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of a major pickle but i i i do think it's from my perspective i think it is bullshit that the ceos are making this kind of money and they're doing these kind of stock buybacks and they're floating this garbage about how well we can't invest in the future if we pay these guys this much it's like yeah these guys, plus the federal government, bailed your asses out mm-hmm. back at a time when the mismanagement got you to a breaking point. Your right. leadership right. brought these companies to a breaking point. Yeah. And you've rewarded them by screwing them over for decades. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. whole decade. It's like the bell is tolling, guys. Yeah. Sorry. Like, to, me, to me, it's it's a bit analogous to like, you know, in, a, in the financial crisis when these too big to fail investment banks were bailed out and you know no one really saw their head roll for this like bear stearns went under but otherwise no one really saw their heads roll but the the school teacher whose uh pension fund was invested with bear stearns loses their entire retirement like it and this is again it's a it's it's a bigger i think it's a symptom of the bigger challenge that's like there's an there's enough people in the world who there may not be the smartest the sharpest tool in the shed mm-hmm. but they know when they're getting screwed yeah most humans know that even if you don't have a doctorate yeah right and and i think that under underlying kind of fundamentally underlies what happened with the u.s political system with trump oh for sure and the problem is like these companies like bear stearns ford gm don't really realize that like these people are literally willing to vote people into power to burn the whole thing down yeah so you will not be able to sell any effing cars right in in that future right 
if you keep screwing them over. Yeah. Like it's basically in essence like a French re revolution. Right. Yeah. It's just happening in a different way. Maybe the yeah. king doesn't this get is, his head cut this off. This is happening in an economic way where, you know, the the these workers basically the only bargaining power they have is their number. It's hey, if we all go on strike, it doesn't matter how good a CEO or or how bad a CEO you are, you can't build your cars. Mm. And and so, you know, it they're using the only leverage they have, um, which is kind of a unified front of we're just gonna shut all your plants down. Um and I, I do it does really piss me off. I mean, you know, I've heard the argument. I one of the arguments I've heard about it about the CEO compensation is, oh, well, you know, to attract the best talent. They're not you know, that we need talented, to, right? Well, right. <laughs> so yes, I agree. And I could probably go in and do right. just as shitty of a job as them, right. and Collect the page, but <laughs> but the the argument is within their own industry. If VW is selling, it has twice the revenue you do, and their CEO is making a third of what you make, how do you then justify your salary? If Akio Toyota, when he was CEO of Toyota, his company is making twice what you make in revenue, and he's he's getting $5 million a year. So he's making, he's making one sixth yeah. of what the GM CEO makes and his company is producing twice the revenues. So then, okay, how, how is VW attracting a good CEO? If they're only, if they're only paying 9 million a year, it's I, like, I agree with you. it's such bullshit. I completely agree. And, and it these just, guys on average don't seem to add much in value. They, no. they mostly come in with bad ideas, bad instincts. Yeah, blow the place up, make a mess, yeah. and then duck out the door with a golden parachute. Well, I mean, we've seen that, and <laughs> in, we've seen that in our industry. You know, like we've seen that at you know, yeah. It, not to get into too much detail, but like we've seen that in our industry, and it's created a lot of strife as well. Like there's there's um, in the healthcare industry, there's stories about. I think it was a big conglomerate over in Illinois or Wisconsin. I forget which one. I think it was, it was Illinois. They had a hospital that basically was unwilling to give their nurses raises, but the CEO was making record, you know, his compensation was like at record and it, levels. Yeah. And it's and the CEO compensation in general, I think, has gotten out of hand. The problem for, is for, frankly, the value they offer, right. which I'm not particularly impressed. Well, with. some of this stuff. It's like, you know, it, it is, it is literally, uh, uh, you know, they're scratching each other's backs. Like if you're the CEO, a stock buyback makes you a ton of money. If you're on the board of, you know, trustees or whatever, or you're on, you're on the board at GM, a stock buyback probably also makes you a bunch of money. Yeah. Well, guess who approves doing a stock buyback? This the is same people idea. that are going to make a bunch of money. <laughs> it, it's there's no <laughs> like there's no reasonable oversight with these people and and they're private company you know they're they're publicly traded companies as long as they're making money for their shareholders they're doing their fiscal due diligence so i i understand that but it's it's the idea of let's keep squeezing the people that keep this place actually running That's until they are just desperate. Which is why, frankly, I've, got, I've just got no compassion for them putting the screws to leadership. I no. wish them all the best of luck. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, you know, the interesting thing is, you know, the, the Biden administration is coming up in, in support of the strike. Um, and 
which I thought was kind of, you know, kind of an interesting political move. Um, but I think it, it, at least for the Democrats, I think it does speak yeah. to what their party is supposedly representing. Um, so it's, you know, probably a smart move politically, but it's, it's a really, you know, this is just kind of, it is the, the politics of our country kind of in a microcosm in the automotive industry. It's mm -hmm. the same stuff that like you, as you alluded yeah, to, like yeah. it's the same stuff that, that has been going on where the, the middle class, the little guy yeah, knows he's getting him enough. screwed. Yeah. You've soaked him enough after, you know, 30 years of globalization that people have had enough. Yeah. Like enough, enough, like enough to burn the place down. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm with you. I, I ultimately, you know, I have no, you know, this isn't happening at, and this is probably not the best example because I don't like Musk at all, but like Musk really drove the growth of Tesla and I will give him that. Um, you know, Mary Barra at GM and Jim Farley at Ford, they, they did not build Ford. They did not build GM. Like they are, I, I understand if someone like Musk, who has driven so much of the growth of that company, gets you know yeah exactly yeah. huge compensation for doing so i understand i i may not agree that he should be getting 200 billion dollars <throat> you know, or whatever and all those guys do is just like spout the same verbiage that any other ceo would spout it's like, yeah you just have to open up a playbook and say like these things in an interview well the future's electric vehicles we're making electric vehicles yeah <laughs> you know it's yeah. like it's not even remotely like <laughs> I, you know profound information that they're no no they just they just somehow were able to get what did elon person. say about this okay i guess i'll say i'll say the same thing yeah <laughs> you know what's interesting is so i watched a um documentary on amazon prime it was excellent um it was about um carlos Ghosn, the kind of disgraced former oh yeah yeah Peugeot yeah, and yeah, and yeah. and Nissan uh, yeah, or I'm sorry run, Renault and Nissan uh, run out of yeah yeah and then wow. he he was like arrested yeah. in Japan yeah. for essentially like it's a complicated story but long story short is where he started getting in trouble was um in Japan when they went through a huge financial crisis mm -hmm. they actually started looking at CEO compensation at some of their biggest companies and saying like the government basically said it is inappropriate for you to make X amount more than your average employee. And so they started putting caps on CEO compensation. Um, and so where Carlos Ghosn is alleged and, and he hasn't really been proven in trial yet, but where he's alleged to have basically created misdeeds as he started getting fancy uh, with his accounting practices and working on figuring out other ways he could get compensation because as the leader of Nissan, he thought he should earn more money than he was earning. Mm. Um, Got it. That's a very truncated, yeah, yeah, telling yeah. you that story. It's a phenomenal documentary. Uh, I actually read the book it was based on, which was a really great book too. Um, but, uh, but I, it made me, it, I, this whole story kind of reminded me of that, like, I, I can't imagine in America that we'll ever do that. Like in Japan, yeah, yeah. you've got a culture where it's very much more collectivist. Yeah. It's yeah. you're doing what's yeah, right for the community. community. Yeah. And so, you know, you you didn't want to be flashy and make a ton of money, right? Um, if you were making a lot of money, you kind of kept it on the down low. 
uh, and so it's we know it's not like that in, in America. But it did make me think, like you know, hey, maybe this isn't unreasonable. Maybe maybe the the person that's leading, uh, you know, GM shouldn't be making over three hundred times what their average employee makes. You know, are they really giving that much more value they're to not, the company? They're, they're, not, they're not. They're not. They're 100% not. They're, yeah. Most of them seem to be, on average, just typical people. Um, they're good at PR. Happen <laughs> to be at the right place at the right time. Yeah. Uh, they got a family legacy or something. Like, I just, right. They don't strike me as like that much smarter Elon than Musk, the rest of the I, room. I, I yeah. agree with you. Like, the guy bothers me, but he had a vision and he's executed it. Like, yeah. these are not visionaries. No. These are people who just like, went to a leadership right. course in college and now somehow yeah. through they, a they series get, of like pats on the back yeah got into these positions. they got an mba at upenn and and now they're you know it's decided that they are the titans of industry useful. yeah they could probably actually get rid of them and just take that money the companies would probably be just as fine yeah they'd be just as likely to be successful as or shit the bend right as they were before <laughs> <laughs> i agree i can almost guarantee that is true yeah no i agree um well yeah i i think ultimately you know i'm hoping you know i'm hoping the workers get some yeah, sort like of amicable agreement contract. you know i think is is it likely that 13,000 workers are going to get a 40% pay raise. No, probably, probably not. not. Probably but not. hopefully between a mix of... And per- you just you just watch whatever contract they get a year from now, they're going to find a way to Weasel. double the CEO. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you did such a good job negotiating with the UAW, we're going to double your did pay. A great job, yeah. yeah. Um, they really put the screws to them. We're yeah. going to pay you double. But hopefully, you know, they do get a fair raise. Hopefully they do get some perks. Um, you know, whether it's a, uh, you know, different, you know, I don't know if they're pension fund. I don't know what all perks yeah, that they yeah, have, yeah. but, but hopefully they get something that's, that's, that narrows that gap a little bit. Yeah. They're going to, you know, pass it on to the real assholes in the equation, which is people buying the car. We're going to raise our rates by yeah. 2% for Ford credit. Right. Yeah. And you you're, know, the, we're, we're going to charge the ADMs. Now. Yeah. Your next, your next, uh, your next GMC Sierra is $85,000. Um, yeah, I mean, they'll find a way to pass it on for sure. But, um, so I think that's pretty much all we had time for this week. Um, anything else you want to talk about? That's good, man. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we'll probably be back in, you know, two, three weeks. Um, in the meantime, check us out on Instagram at the blow off out podcast. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, anything you want to hear about discuss, um, you know, we're, we're always open to new ideas. So, Be sure to check us out there. And in the meantime, we'll see you soon.